This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders. In addition, I've written a book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are and you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. The paperback and ebook versions are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamics specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to not only those individuals that want to get in this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name, each week. I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Very few individuals can say they have worked for the same team their entire career. First job out of college and worked their way up to an executive leadership role. Our next guest has certainly done that and has also been a key innovator in our industry. Our next guest is the Senior Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Atlanta Hawks, Kyle Brunson. Kyle, welcome to the show. Travis. Thanks for thanks for having me, buddy. No, great great to see you. Great to talk to you as always. And and Kyle, I appreciate your time and I'm certainly excited about jumping into your career path where you've had experience overseeing multiple different verticals of the business. But before getting to that, our industry talks a lot about innovation and willing to do things outside of the box. And I've always respected and appreciated you, especially when it comes to initiatives that Others may just not be comfortable doing. And, you know, I think a lot of buzz around the Hawks a few years ago was the swipe right night. And you guys were one of the first to do a season pass subscription. But why don't you start this podcast off by just kind of walking our listeners through your and the organizational thoughts on the values of of reaching that millennial audience? Yeah, I think in Atlanta, you mentioned the word innovation. We, we've been forced by necessity to think about innovation. It's a great town. There's so many things to do. There's so much competition. So the swipe right night, swipe right night ideas, which really came right to us from Steve Kuhn and our CEO. Um, those ideas have been critical for us. And we know there's been 
a ton of kids that have been born here in Atlanta. So people move to Atlanta from all over, but they tend to stay just like myself. I'm the perfect example. So we know reaching that younger audience is critical, right? We've been focused on the next generation of fans here in Atlanta. That's been something that um, has been a focus for a long time, but Steve Kuhn and our CEO really brought a lot of focus to that throughout our organization when he came in. You know, and to your point, Kyle, that's a, a lot of the markets of, of a lot of our listeners where, you know, your CEOs or business decision makers maybe, uh, you know, grew up in the Midwest or the Northeast, but now they've lived there. And so getting that millennial audience and that youth, and obviously I know the NBA is a big youth initiative. And so what is your advice, Kyle, for the listeners that are either in leadership or on the front lines of sales to really be innovative in everything they do? I think ideas come from all over the organization, first off. You know, it starts with, you know, thinking about innovation in terms of culture, making it a great place to work. We think a lot of things start with that. That's something that we lean into heavy, and great ideas come out of that. And when people enjoy working together, they're also going to create an innovative environment for the market. We're going to go the extra mile for our customers. So there's kind of just this domino effect. So we focus on culture. We focus on teamwork. That does tend to recruit a person that likes to bring new, fresh ideas to the table. You know, as leaders, we're good with trying things that don't work, right? And so, you know, we err on the side of aggression. That's something we do just from a sales standpoint and from an idea standpoint. You know, we'd rather go down swinging than not. And so if that spirit is in the air and there's just not a whole lot of harm for throwing out ideas that that may not work out, I think you can – I think you can really get ideas to come from all over the organization, right? And uh, like I said, when you're competing for people's time, it's not just about money, but there's so many things to do, whether it's simply Netflix and staying at home or whether it is all the amazing things to do in a city like Atlanta. Um, You have to. You have to think different. So we know that. And I know you and I have talked about this in the past, and, you know, a lot of teams out there, like, the direct competition isn't necessarily the other sports teams, you know, because they're a lot of times are in different seasons. It's the other things you can do with your entertainment dollar, your discretionary income. And so to your point, I love the advice is like, why not try it? You know, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work and you learn from it and move on. Yeah, no question. No question. And that, and that is true. We agree. So, so kind of on the, the next stage, you know, Kyle, most recently you were a big part of the Atlanta Hawks organization as you went through a $192 plus million dollar renovation project. And, you know, some of the renovations can't be, hey, let's try it. But you guys were very innovative. So I know you and the team, you traveled to a lot of other facilities. You did a ton of research. Like, first, like, how was going through that experience for you? So it was refreshing. It was such a great experience for me personally. I think that a ton of people throughout the organization got to step out of things that they usually do day to day, get get wider, learn more, you know, being in meetings with architects, learning about other venues, talking to our fans, talking to what we hope our fans are going to be. It was a great experience. So we really did have to take a lot of our risks in the research phase, right? Because to your point, you know, they had to be very calculated risks when we actually got into execution. But I personally learned a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, there's new building and there's renovation. I think they're both really exciting projects to be a part of in our industry. But renovation is a unique one, especially when you start doing really large-scale renovation 
like we did. Right. Um, one of the analogies we would talk about is we were flying the plane while we were building the plane. So we didn't have the opportunity to go play somewhere else while we kind of dreamed up this new home for ourselves. We had to operate the business while we were working on the the business and the future state. The, of the, the future time. state of the business, yeah. That's right. And so, you know, I think we knew what we were getting into, but until you get into it, you know, th- there's real challenges in that. Um, but it was great to work through and, and learn. No, and, and for the, the new State Farm Arena, a beautiful arena, obviously a lot of great aspects to it, which we'll dive into. And, you know, from your perspective, Kyle, what was the most unique meeting that you were a part of or just part of the renovation, you know, throughout it that, that you were involved in? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, probably very early on, the different architect pitches, right? We had some really smart groups come in. Everybody that came in brought a lot to the table, and you had – really radically different ideas, not just on the ideas of how the building would be configured, but how you get there. You know, I think some groups thought we could rapid fire, get it done in a summer. And some groups thought it would really need to be stretched out. And it was interesting going back to back, just listening to the same budget and the same kind of RFP response come back at us in so many different ways. Yeah. And then it really became our time to say, wow, this is up to us. We got to pick, pick the right path here. Um, and you know, we haven't really done this before. So I think that initial, you know, just going through that process and hearing about, you know, there's not one path when you do a major renovation like that, hearing what all the options are, realizing we need to be equipped to make some really good decisions because you don't want to regret the big decisions. You want to get those right. And I'm sure, you know, we could talk for hours on just the different decisions that were had to be made and, and different things you heard of. I, I've always kind of thought it would be interesting for somebody to write a book that went through a renovation or a bill just because the variety of meetings and probably the variety of things thrown on the wall and say, what if this sticks? What if we tried this? I, I can only imagine. Yeah, no question. I will say somebody in, in my seat who's on the ticketing side, you know, one of the things that is a constant challenge that I'll just throw out there is – lining up your sales cycle with the construction cycle, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's tough. Yeah. Things take time. As you know, Travis, when you are introducing a new product to market, you know, when you're not in a renovation cycle, we plan a product development, a product on sale. There's a deposit, there's a build up, and we give it time to breathe in order to be successful. When you do a major renovation like that and you introduce all types of completely new product to the market all at once. Right. And if you don't have time to phase that out, it's a really tough sales assignment. So, you know, we were constantly aware of like, how do we line up our sales cycle with, you know, the fact that construction is its own thing. Right. So that was, that was, there was tension in that. It was good, positive tension in that throughout the project, but that was something that I learned a lot about and, and paid very close attention to. Yeah, to your point, it's, it's not only just your schedule either, right? It's, if something gets delayed, then, you know, that, you know, starting process will be delayed. And then, you know, the different products, and that kind of leads into the next question I have, you know, throughout the renovation, you are certainly innovative in a lot of things at the State Farm Arena. But one of the things is the premium concepts that you guys put in place. So, you know, you have veranda and loft suites, the social spaces, a ton of technology upgrades, the Atlanta social concept even a top golf suite and a barber shop. So like a lot of questions now, but uh, you know, how did you guys determine what products made sense after all of that research? Yeah, it was, it was a, you know, team effort. I, I don't know how to say it other than that. There was just a lot of ideas that came from all over and we spent a lot of time going through each one of them. But 
there was this big idea of premium shouldn't just be sweets and clubs and that's it. You know, we do think the premium side of our business is really what holds up the revenue side of our business and it's important to get it right. And there had been really a change in demand over the years we had seen where there's demand for different types of experiences. Many businesses wanted a premium experience, but didn't necessarily want to host 28 people night after night after night. So we knew we wanted to chop it up differently. And, you know, through market research and through just our own experience selling in this market, we want to have different options. Um, the exciting part about that from the sales team is, you know, discovery and the questions you ask, it all matters. Like it really, you really do need to become an expert now to be able to match up product to client needs and, and understanding what people are looking for was different. So um, that, that was a cool part. Yeah. And I remember, you know, hearing about, you know, for, for example, the top golf suite and seeing the article in the SBJ, like, I guess walk us through what, like in that meeting, when that first got brought up, did half the room just start laughing? Like, no way this isn't happening. Or was it like, you know what? That's a brilliant idea. Let's go. You know, I would say that there was a lot of confusion and excitement probably all at the same time. Right. Cause it's like, wait, you can't hit golf balls. There's guys playing basketball <laughs> out there. So like, you know, it takes you a moment to kind of get your head around that the bay would be safely tucked away. Right, right. Um, you know, and understand exactly how that would work. But it didn't take long for people to get excited about it. It's it's buzzy for sure. Um, there's there's great value in just having something different. Yep. And um, and I do think we've realized that we program so much around the game itself or around the concert itself. You know, folks want to enjoy the game, the concert, the show. But they're also there to connect. And so connecting before, connecting after, how we can lean into that, you know, it really became like a bit of a, bit of a no-brainer idea once we realized we could get it done with Top Golf. And to your point, like earlier, where, you know, premium spaces and, and spaces in general don't necessarily just have to be club seats or suites. And you guys did a lot of variety of premium, but also then, you know, tying that back into that innovation, that millennial audience with the social concepts and some of the premium spaces, like, how did some of those new updates change the way your team sold premium inventory? Yeah, we think a lot about what type of hospitality are you looking for? What type of privacy do you need? Do you need a traditional setting where you can host and have kind of a captive audience? Or are you looking for, you know, kind of actually a wide open premium experience where people are interacting with each other, even if they came together or not, or somewhere in between? And so we think a lot about that, right? And so if you need to host in a traditional setting, fine, we have that. That really is the veranda suite side of the spectrum. Yep. And if you're there to see and be seen and connect with as many folks as possible, that might be the Atlanta social side of our spectrum. And then we have the loss that fit in between a little bit. You have, a, you, have you can close the curtain, you can keep a curtain open. It still has a common food and beverage area. So we tried to think about what are the two ends of needs and then where can we kind of meet different needs along the way and those products really you know came together from there so HOK the architect group we worked with did a great job you know and and then you know leaders here on our team did a great job bringing bringing those ideas to the table. You know, and very few people will be able to get to go through a, a new build or a renovation like you did. So, you know, after going through all of that and, the, and furthering and being proactive with your sales process, what advice would you give to listeners if they ever get the chance to go through a renovation or a new build? 
Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, from a sales standpoint, think about the sales cycle early and often as much as you can. You know, when you open a new building, I do think there's kind of a script right now that you phase it out and you you have the luxury of getting on sales maybe three years out or two years out. Right. And that may not be there in a renovation. So you really have to think through your sales cycle and you have to start early as you can with your existing customer base, right? To really get in front of them. There's so much education that happens. Our traditional renewal campaign, which is usually digital, a lot of phone calls, some events, it totally changed. We realized we had to get in front of everybody. Every all, single person. All, we had to get in front of every single person and tell them our story. We had an awesome story to tell and we were excited to tell it, but the process had to change completely. And so time, it's just so important to get that story together and get to market and get the phase approach started as soon as possible. Yep. You may not know all the answers to your products and where they're going to end out. And I think that's okay. You got to get out there and start telling the story and bring people along with you. You can always update, you know, right. folks and do the right thing if it wasn't what yep. they're looking for. But getting started early would be kind of my you know, yeah. top of the list advice. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Well, again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Kyle Brunson, Senior Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Atlanta Hawks. So, Kyle, now I want to go back to the beginning. As you're growing up, did you know you wanted to get in the sports business? Like, what, what was your first job? Yeah, I took, you know, typical a lot of jobs. Everything from working at softball parks, mowing lawns, working at pizza places. So, I always did kind of like the work. I liked the idea of making money, being productive. Um, so, but I didn't know that I wanted to work in sports. I knew that sports meant everything to me, right? Florida Gators, Atlanta Hawks, Miami Dolphins. That was my mix. Um, kind of a unique mix. Yeah. But Atlanta Hawks, Dominique Wilkins was just, he was my guy, right? And I kind of lived to show everybody why he was better than Jordan. So that was my, <laughs> that was my thing. I love the Hawks. And when I went through and graduated at Florida, I just kind of took a moment and said, what would be a really cool experience and took a shot at 
working for my team. Yep. So uh, I got on board, uh, was fortunate enough to start in ticket sales and, and you know, the rest is history. Yeah, so you, to your point, you're growing up, you know, huge Florida fan. You end up going, you become a Gator, you, you're studying marketing. So as you're going through college and you ultimately end up at the Hawks, but what did you think you wanted to do when you graduated? You know, was getting yeah. that marketing degree. Did you know sports was where you wanted to be? I wish I could say that I had this master plan and I nailed it. <laughs> Honestly, I thought a lot about politics. I went and interned in D.C. for a congressman. Um, I, I thought a lot about that world. I had been involved with a whole bunch of different legislative programs, you know, where we would go to Tallahassee through high school and, and write legislation and do research. So I really thought I was going to get into that world, um, to be to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, maybe I what went a, up there and realized I wanted to do something different. As you say, what a shift. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And so you graduate, and you, to your point, you start out as a ticket sales representative for the Atlanta Hawks. That was during the lockout back in 98. And so did you ever imagine, you know, 22 years later, you'd still be working there? No. I, I mean, candidly, I hadn't thought about – I didn't think about things 20 years later for sure. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I loved working for the team, and I knew it would take me a lot to leave. First of all, Atlanta is a great place to live, and then it becomes a great place to raise a family. So it's a hard place to leave and just – you know, the opportunity of working for the team that you grew up rooting for has always been special to me. So, you know, I've just thought about along the way, season after season, where can I add more value? Where can I learn different skills? Where can I understand deeper for the for the organization, for the industry? And, you know, wherever that was going to lead me, it was going to lead me. I wasn't necessarily chasing a title or a department along the way, but, but what, 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 can I, uh, what can I bring to the table? Yeah, no, absolutely. So getting off the, the business question real quick. So you mentioned you grew up, you're a huge Dominique fan. I know used to working in the Hawks office, you saw a lot of him. You know, he's a great ambassador for, for the team. What was that first interaction? You know, was that kind of a holy cow moment for you? Yeah, no joke. Um, I think my buddy that I started with knew that I was a big Nick fan. And so he was around one day and they brought him over and kind of, you know, embarrassed me, made a big deal about it. And I just acted like it was nothing. But, of course, it was a big deal to me. It was pretty cool to just see him in the office. And, and you never know when you meet somebody you look up to, you know, what kind of person they're going to be. Um, and then just to learn what an approachable Hall yeah. of Famer that he is. He's um, so gracious and loves having, you know, hoop conversation or conversation about anything. That was That was the fun part. Yeah. Yeah, and then probably after the, the first couple of times of, of talking to him, seeing him, now it's it's actually more fun for you to tell your family and friends, you know, that, that Dominique's in the office as opposed to you because now it's just, you know, a coworker at that point. Yeah, it's it's low-key Hall of Famer relationship now. That's right. Yeah. So, and, and so, Kyle, you, you have success as a ticket sales representative, and then you end up taking somewhat of a unique path, you know, to get to where you ultimately are today. You go on to oversee marketing, CRM, digital research, analytics for about five years before ultimately moving to that head of sales role. So why did you make the move? You know, back then, why did you make the move towards that marketing end? And then ultimately, what type of things did you learn in that role that really helped you be an elite leader now? Yeah, so I enjoyed sales. Um, did pretty good. We were opening up Phillips Arena. There was a lot of opportunity, and Atlanta's a great NBA town. We lacked process on the sales side. We lacked much information back when we started, you know, and so candidly, I started building access databases for myself, started thinking about direct mail, started thinking about how do I 
nurture leads, what we're calling it now, weren't calling it that then, but, you know, how do we kind of bring this a little bit more intelligence to the process? And so the things I did, the VP of ticket sales at the time started noticing, asked me to do it for the department. So I started building databases for the department, distributing leads, tracking where our fans coming from, where our leads coming from. We were owned by Turner, which was the Braves and the Thrashers at the time. And so then a guy that I work with, um, one of the guys that has really mentored me along the way, a guy named David Lee, noticed what I was doing with the Hawks and said, hey, you know, maybe we should pay attention to this idea at the Braves and the Thrashers. And there were really smart folks doing that there too. So we decided to join forces, right? So let's start thinking about direct marketing and let's start thinking about how we can make each other better from that perspective. So that took me down a path of building out CRM and then, you know, CRM, you know, it really did become a marketing support, which then led to, you know, digital and other advertising channels. So it just kind of naturally brought me down that path. And my understanding of ticket sales and how to serve somebody in that role, um, I think served me well in marketing. How do I help them convert at a higher rate? How do I give them more qualified leads? Because I was just in that position, right you now, and that was my mindset um, when I shifted over to marketing. Yeah, because and when you shifted over into marketing, I mean that the the analytics, the CRM, the structure, the lead scoring was very very new. A lot of teams weren't doing it for a couple years after that. So you guys were kind of on that innovation end as well with the Hawks. And you know, Kyle, I know this is talked about a lot, and, and you're one of the very few individuals I know that you know, kind of went that marketing route and then came back to, to sales or, or even it's a matter of, you know, people, you hear a lot, hey, I want to be in marketing. So the, the advice typically is like, well, you should go find a job in marketing. And you kind of did both. And so what is your advice to listeners in regards to just the end of the day, going after what they're passionate about? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's where, you know, it's a combination of passion and how your brain works and where you add the most value. Right. So I did shift back over. I really enjoyed what I was doing from a marketing and research and analytics standpoint. That is the side of my brain that I, um, it's a little bit more natural than maybe public speaking or maybe, you know, generating excitement in front of a big sales team. But, you know, when Brendan Donahue, who is a VP of ticket sales that I worked closely for, was really one of my most important internal clients when I was in that marketing role. When he was leaving for a job at the NBA, he really tapped on my shoulder. I was helping him, honestly, search for the replacement. And he tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, you know, you understand this business. There's a great management team here in place. You should consider it. And he pushed me. Yeah. And so I said, all right, let me let me do something different. Let me try and jump back over to sales leadership. So, you know, BD pushed me in that direction. And, you know, like you said, I had some early connections around the league with teams like the Heat and the Blazers that were into CRM and analytics early. My buddy Larry Martin in Miami told me, look, if there's good sales managers and leaders there, that's really what you need. And that stuck. And he was right. So having great team around me, people that are better at things than I am, that really became kind of my philosophy from there. And, and we could get things done. You know, and we started this podcast off by talking about thinking outside the box and, and doing things a little bit out of your comfort zone. I assume probably going back in, you know, although you were just out of the, let's call it the front lines of sales for only five, six years before going back into kind of that sales world, like what were some of the biggest hurdles or, you know, obstacles you faced early on? You, you did, to your point, had a great leadership team, but there were still probably some learning curves there. Oh, big time. 
we were running two teams at once. You know, we were the Hawks and the Thrashers at the time. And so how do you balance, you know, one team has more demand than the other one year and another. And, you know, how do you balance the world of brokers was new to us and wasn't well understood. So early on, we didn't understand what was going on or how to think about that. Are we celebrating this? Are we not celebrating (laughs) this? Um, There was a lot of early obstacles. And then of course we had, challenges whether or not a team was for sale so of course we were dealing with just so many different challenges and how do you keep a team focused and together when there's kind of all this weird news about you know what's going to happen with the future of of your franchise so there was there was plenty of challenges in those early days um for sure yeah and to to your point i mean you brought up a few of them right You, you Multiple teams and anybody that's listening that's that's ever done you know multiple properties it's hard it's hard enough to sell one property and be efficient and effective at all times so you're juggling multiple properties the thrashers move out you know the the ownership group changes the hawks have had a lot of highs and lows through your career there and you mentioned Atlanta and I, I couldn't agree more like what a great uh, family marketplace great school system things like that but you know you've had some opportunities to to go to other organizations. One, why have you continued to stay in Atlanta on the professional end? And two, and like, how have you continued to impress and build rapport with some of the new leaders and new ownership coming into the Hawks organization? Yeah, I think, you know, no question that family and the decision just to live here once your kids start growing up here and have friends and your wife has a network and friends, like leaving this place just would have been hard. So from a personal side, we love it here. And then from a business side, you know, what I also observed was people have come and go, obviously, because I've been here a while. And a lot of times they go on to great things and enjoy it, but sometimes they go and regret it. And I would see that too. And yep. you learn that, you know, the challenges you run into, they're everywhere, right? So just for me, leaving the situation, whether there were some tough circumstances around ownership or a looming lockout, you know, the chances you were going to get into those tough circumstances somewhere else were really high. And so I saw that happen. And I think it just gave me more comfort to say, let's ride this out. There's a lot of good here. And I believe in the future of this team. And I want to be part of it, you know, when the Hawks win a championship too. So there's that, right. Um, just on the, on the personal level, but. And a know, lot of it comes as, down. To, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, just the second part of your question, I have no idea. I mean, I think that I try to, even though I've been here for a long time, I've certainly always tried to not be the person that says, this is how we've done it and this is how we need to do it. So I certainly am constantly, I love improving process, right? I'm a process person. And if we can identify things to do differently and change, I do think that's an important, you know, mindset to have in order to stick with an organization and not get too comfortable just being comfortable with the way we do things. So um, I've really tried to avoid that mindset while being at one, you know, organization over a period of time. Yeah, and I think the two things I took away from that is is the first one is control what you can control, right? You can't control what's going to be in the media, ownership, team performance, no different than what we tell every salesperson on the front lines and anybody in the entire organization, control what you control. And then the second one is just be willing to continue to evolve. You know, this business is an ever-changing industry and ever-changing marketplace. So just continue to evolve to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and surpass them a little bit. That's exactly right. And so, Kyle, you really helped develop a lot of industry leaders. You have a great staff that's had a lot of success. Not only did, you know, when you first moved over, you inherited a great leadership team, 
some of them have went on to do other things and you've grown and developed other leaders within the organization. Um, you know, when I was at the Hawks, you were in marketing and analytics. And, but one thing that always stood out to me was you were always on the concourse, engaging with fans. And I think more importantly, internally getting to know all the other you know departments, but specifically the sales team. And so why was it? And it's also still to you so important for you to be able to roll up your sleeves and be right there on the front line with everyone else. Probably just a function of why it's so important to start in ticket sales in sports, I think. Once you start, you realize it's hard work, you know, and you also realize the ticket buyers, our members, our guests, our group leaders, it's our business. You know, it's what we do. We put on live events. Um, we're oftentimes a night business. We're not just a nine-to-five business. Like, we're there to, to host people and make sure they have a great experience no matter what happens on the court. So, I think I just understood that starting in ticket sales. So that's my, that's kind of my encouragement is like, you can't replace, you know, that experience you get on the front lines, you know, explaining all types of difficult circumstances to fans along the way. So we all have our stories uh, for sure, but those have just always made an impression on me. And so you kind of never want to walk away from that and just want to be part of that. Um, that's how I think about it, I guess. Well, I know kind of, you know, in my career and, and coming across a lot of people that have worked for you and obviously know you, I know they always appreciate you being willing to go, to go above and beyond. And you're always out there in front, on the front line. You're never going to tell somebody or ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do. So I know it goes a long way. And I think along those lines of building that rapport and getting to know your team, uh, I know everyone's always said that you're, you're going to make that conservative effort to go on and get to know them on a personal basis. So why is that so important for you as a leader to understand truly what makes each individual tick? Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, I think that, you know, that's, that's what, at the end of the day, it's what we do. We're in the people business. I think as we develop people um, and we grow our relationships with each other, it just makes it a better place to work, a better place to be. It makes for better quality of life. And the cool thing is it's actually good for business. I think it works, right? So when we invest in each other and we get the best talent we can to work around us um, and for our team, we actually pass that along to the market. And I think we end up cranking the highest performance levels that we can as well. So it's neat that it works out that way. Um, that, you know, kind of a, a cool way to live. We, want, we spend a lot of time with each other, right? So why not try to enjoy it, right? And we're going to bump into each other, by the way. Like, conflict is going to happen, but conflict's good. Conflict's how you grow. You don't shy away from it. I believe in leaning into it, and that's how we get stronger. So it's not about being weak, but I do think it's about, um, you know, serving each other and, you know, just kind of a mentality that we're for each other as teammates um, first. And I think that that does translate into the market. So, so Kyle, you know, you, you have north of, you know, 70, 80 people a lot of times reporting up to you. Do you have any tricks of the trade for the listeners to, like, how do you remember people's names? You know, I, I always thought that was very, you know, interesting for you. You, you would always know spouses' names or, uh, you know, children's names or the, if they had a pet, their birthday. Like, what are the, what's your tricks of the trade there? Oh, man. I, I, uh, I don't know if there's any tricks. That's a good question, Travis. I think it's – you know, we have really good managers. We have really good leaders. And you, first of all, to have a team that's a little bit larger that functions well, you have to trust and empower people. And I think as you do that, 
you get to know them, and I think you just lean into uh, paying attention. Yep. And by the way, it's okay if you forget people's name and it's okay <laughs> if you mess things up. You also give yourself grace along the way. Because I don't, I think they'll mess things up when they remember on me right. too. No big deal, right? Right, right. So, uh, at least you, you're trying, right? That's right. We all check our egos at the door and, um, you know, make the most of it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, this may be more of a compliment, Kyle, than, than a question, but in talking to a lot of people, that, again, that have worked for you over the years, they don't necessarily ever see you raise your voice or get mad, but they feel like if they do make a mistake, they're more letting you down than anything. And I think it's very well taken that that goes to show what type of leader you are. You're right. You're taking the time to know their family, the inner workings of each. You understand mistakes are going to happen and you're going to move forward. And so I guess on to another question about relationships and the role you're at now, it's certainly vitally important for you to have great inner working relationships with other departments. And I'm sure in, in since your, your past has been working some other departments, that certainly helps, but what is some of your advice on maintaining those relationships and ultimately ensuring everyone within the organization is working towards that one common goal? I think one of the things that I've, I've given this advice before that I do think makes sense is it's easy to think about our customers and the market and the external relationships. That's really natural. When you're coming in school, you think a lot about that, right? What is our product? How are we going to promote it? How are we going to win customers? How are we going to retain them? But I do think you realize that internal relationships may actually edge out from a significant standpoint, external relationships, right? Yep. So the relationship inside the shop, inside of the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena, it's everything. And so we're only going to be as good as we are connected um, to our customers. And so I think you know, and look, I've been taught that along the way. So I do think that's probably what drives um, a lot of our folks and how we think about things. No, absolutely. And, you know, speaking along relationships, you, you obviously you have a wife, three kids. We just heard one of the dogs bark and you have a couple of dogs. Like, I'm not sure if work-life balance is a thing, but ultimately, how do you prioritize? Yeah, it's definitely a thing. And yeah, when I moved over to this role from uh, BD, our three of our kids were under three. We had three under three. It was, and I started, you know, working for two teams, gone six, you know, five, six nights a week. So it's a tough industry for work-life balance. The cool thing is we're evolving a little bit. I think people are understanding how important it is. So I think I understand it more than I did 10 years ago. Yep. And, you know, so, and I also am grateful we work for leader on our side, like Steve Coonan, who understands it. He focuses on it. He's a true people leader. I've learned so much, you know, by being a part of his organization. But you have to do it. Um, you got to find time for yourself, whatever that is. You know, for me, it's running. Um, and that's what resets me and, you know, set, sets my patience level to where it needs to be. And then you have to find time for your family. And we absolutely have to find time for work. But it's really easy to prioritize work. Sometimes it's harder to blend those others in when you're in this industry. And so you just have to be intentional about it. And I haven't always been great at it, but I'm getting better. Continue to evolve. You mentioned running. You, you, you're currently training for a marathon? Yeah, I have a vir – my next one is a virtual one. The Marine Corps was um, just announced to be virtual, so I'll do that sometime in October. So I got that one. 
So, so where are your trainings right. at? How many how many miles right now are is in that training scope to get ready for it? Yeah, I'm about eight weeks out. I have 18 in the morning, um, so I'll just leave the house typically and just go. But also, I'll hit Kennesaw Mountain. It's one of my favorite places to run. A lot of trails over there. So when I get off the pavement, I'll uh, I'll get over there. I'm tired of just thinking about it, but uh, you know, certainly good luck to that. And you know, Kyle, you've had a great career, you know. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but why do you think you've been so successful uh, and have had such great people work for you? I don't know that I have been so successful, Travis, but I have been with had the opportunity to work with amazing people, and so I'll say I at least recognize how important that is, and so I have that going for me. Um, I want to work with folks I can learn from. Um, and if they work for me, that's great. I don't, I want to be surrounded by people that understand things and are smarter than me. And that's not very hard to do. And so finding those kinds of people, um, I think has just really been my success. I think that's what makes you successful is you're very humble, but no, you've had a, a great career and I know a lot of people look up for you, look up to you and you've had you know a ton of accomplishments and you kind of talked about people throughout this podcast. Like what are some of the top characteristics you have seen in some of the most successful people? I think I talked about servant leadership. You know, I think from a leadership standpoint, I do think that's a attribute that matters. Obviously there's got to be a drive and sometimes that drive, you know, it's, it's um it comes in different forms and factors, but I do think leaders that are successful are, are self-driven and I do think they are focused on others and they want to lift others up because you can only accomplish so much by yourself. You can accomplish more as a team. I also think it's not just about leaders, right? And so we love talented salespeople to stay in sales and pursue a career in sales. And so one of the things we focus on is helping people identify what path makes sense for them. So, you know, we'll put a pod program together that, you know, allows reps to test it, test out leadership. Is this for me? It's great when they find out it is. It's great when they find out it isn't. Right. You know, so we just want to find fit. And you don't always have to solve five years down the road or 10 years down the road. But you do need to solve your next challenge, you know. And I do think you need to solve how you're growing and how I'm getting better. And we try to do that, um, whatever whatever that path is. No, absolutely. Well, Kyle, this has been great. Very cool to hear from someone that's obviously been able to to not only work for, go to school, and then work for a team that you grew up, you know, watching and, and following, but also entire organization. You know, you've stayed your entire career there and worked your way up the corporate ladder. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I think so. All right. So if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Some kind of bowl. It's really simple. Some rice, <laughs> some chicken, some beans. A Chipotle bowl would work perfect. Anyway, all right, good. What would your superpower be and why? You know, I like to run, so I'd like to be a lot faster. Um, <laughs> I think that would be great if I could just be really fast and not get tired. And not to get tired, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, we talked a little bit about earlier, you have a couple dogs, and so uh, you may have talked about this with your kids at one point. If you were a dog, what type of dog would you be and why? Oh, wow. Um, good question. If I was a dog, I would be my dog because they're the most spoiled dog uh, <laughs> that I've ever played. So we have a couple doodles. They are family dogs. They got a ton of energy. They don't shed. So I do like that. I'd come back as a dog that doesn't shed. 
Yeah, yeah. So they're just living the life. They're living the life. It's unbelievable. Everybody thinks they're so cute. It's unbelievable. So why not? Why not pick a doodle? That's awesome. Well, and to close it out, Kyle, what are your three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, I mean, just find something that you know you want to do and stick with it. Don't leave when the times get tough, right? So that's that's two of them. Um, I'd say third, pay attention to the people that are around you and invest in them, right? So, you know, you may not always pick the path. I was really fortunate to kind of find my path early. Um, you may not find it early, but once you find it, you know, lean into it and don't run away when times get tough. And then, like I said, really lean into the relationships and the people um, that you're surrounded by. That would be my advice, Travis. No, absolutely. We appreciate that. And you, you talked about it throughout the entire podcast, like obstacles are going to come, continue to be innovative, continue to be proactive and, and find ways to win. But if you surround yourself with the right people, both working for you and you're working for, like you're going to have success. So That's Kyle, it. thank you so much. You've had a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your friendship and your time and expertise as well. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you, Ben. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.